listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Texas was definitely become more dirty, more dangerous. Yeah, kill me, motherfucker. Rather than confront the drug use like a normal city, San Francisco enables drug use by distributing roughly 400,000 free syringes every month. City leaders say that giving out syringes reduces the risk of disease. Of course, no one wants to have somebody get HIV or Hep C, but the unintended consequences is insanity. So that's from last night's Tucker Carlson on Fox, a national show, a national story on the what second most watched cable news show in America, focusing on San Francisco. I think partially because Tucker Carlson used to live there. Mm-hmm. Uh, another reason would be that it's just so extraordinary. Well, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely a canary in the coal mine of a certain set of policies. Right. What you can look forward to. That's what I wanted to, to mention because, um, we're, we're very familiar with San Francisco and its decline in so many cities on the West Coast. But so I was in Wichita for, uh, Christmas, cousin Christmas there, and they are starting to have a homeless problem. In Where Wichita, we had our Kansas. first job together years ago. And I don't remember seeing homeless people. When I lived there years ago, but anyway, I guess it's a thing downtown, like the libraries, the downtown libraries got homeless people and you can't go there. Like it's happening in a lot of places. And uh, I mean, and again, I I prefer the term bums and junkies. Well, right. I made some harsh comment at the uh, the family get together about them being a bunch of drug, get those dang, I used bad language, but drug addicts out of there. Uh Well, they've had some troubles, you know, and we need to be more compassionate, somebody said. And I thought, you know, this is the road you go down. You think that, and that makes you a nice person. Right. That makes you a nice person that it's new to you, that homeless have showed up in your town, and you think, well, they're down and out, or they got screwed by life, or whatever. Right, they're just one medical bill away from homelessness. Yeah, you got drug addicts who've decided they like the drug addict lifestyle ruining your town. That's Mm -hmm. what you have. Right, or they can't get themselves clean, and I have a great deal of sympathy for that. But that doesn't mean they get to ruin the town. It doesn't mean they get the park, and the library, and the bike paths, and and the the sidewalks, and the rest of it. And the doorway to that store you want to go into. Yeah, we're going to compassion them out of being drunk, junky losers by furnishing them drugs and letting them camp in the park and... That's the way we're going to get them clean, that, according to the dreamers who run so much of the world. Oh, right. Look, we need dreamers. We need compassion. We need kindness. Of course we do. But compassion without order is chaos. All right. Now, back to my ER story, which fits in with this. So Tucker Carlson's doing that every night this week. I think it's a five-part series, San Francisco and the homeless situation. So if you're into that story, uh, watch it there. But so I'm at a downtown ER on the West Coast with my wife on a Friday night. And learn the lesson, if you weren't listening earlier, that if you're in downtown on a city, especially on a weekend, and something happens, unless it's chest pain or you can't, you know, you're choking, something where you're going to, you might die immediately, mm-hmm. you're better off Ubering or driving to a suburb or right. a smaller town. Yep. One, you'll get in faster. Two, it's safer. It's just safer. It wasn't safe to be in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly for my kids, I couldn't, I couldn't let my, Kids like sit down while I'm helping check mom in, right? Because they're drunk homeless people everywhere wandering around trying to talk to them. And if you're just tuning in, you know the lovely Mrs. Armstrong bleeding in terrible pain, can't fill out the paperwork, so Jack's doing that. Meanwhile, the junkies are approaching his kids, and the um the people that work there clearly know some of them by name, right? And so and they all know the drill. It's a it's a dance, right? They they come they come stumbling. I need a bed. All right, what's wrong, Jim? I don't, I don't feel good. I feel like I'm about to fall down. Okay. And so they go through the full filling out the paperwork, 15 minute, whatever it takes routine while you got other people hanging around. I'm sure that's the law. 
Um, right. And uh, and uh, two two things they want they want to they want a warm bed inside, and this is a way to get it. And there's apparently you can't say no. And two, if you're if you claim certain symptoms, according to one of the nurses who told my wife, they'll uh, they'll IV up. So I don't know. I, I've known people who did this. I was never committed enough to recovering from a hangover to do this. But apparently, if you're willing to take um, uh, uh, an IV, you can get over a hangover like that. It, it yes. Works. I've um, done it. You have done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I'm I've, not that committed. I had some friends uh, who were uh, military doctors, and they, they would do that to themselves. And one day I was out with them and was <laughs> with them the next morning as well. And they said, come on, we know what to do. Wow. Yeah, I know, I I know guys who could write PhDs on being hungover and they say yeah, it's a miracle. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it is. The, yeah. the, you know, most of your hangover is your dehydration. So they pump you full of liquid and you're over it. God, I don't know if I needed a way to like, you know, Hey, I'm feeling good already. Well, let's get, let's do that again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I need the pain of the hangover to adjust your lifestyle. But anyway, so the, the, the homeless, the street addicts have figured that out. So they'll go into the hospital and I'm happy to pay for that, of course, as a taxpayer. Well, I love the idea of paying for you to get uh, your IV to get back on your feet so you can go out and beg for more money to get drunk again. Well, and please, how about I'm in pain? I'm in lots and lots and lots of pain. I need some opioids. They got to give them to them. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Well, listen, what makes it even worse in Cal Unicornia, where realism has gone to die, is that there is a, a law that was just passed, I think it was the beginning of last year, which reminds me, we have to get to some of the absurd new laws that have been passed by America's legislatures um, at some point for, for 2020, but... Uh, the new law in Cal Unicornia requires hospitals to offer homeless patients a meal, clothing, and other services before sending them to somewhere that has agreed to take them. You have to prove you have a bed for them before you kick them out, which is just insane. I don't, I don't know. I, I the, the problem with the drive by voter. And part of the problem is government has become so vast and is involved in so many aspects of, of, of virtually everything. It's impossible for the average voter to understand what government does and have a solid view of what the policies ought to be. It's just asking too much of people. God dang it. Which is one so- of the reasons I'm a small government advocate. But the drive-by voter hears the emotional description of an issue like this, and it's so easy to persuade them to do the progressive thing because it sounds good, which is why the Democrats want to register children as voters now, because you can sway children with emotional arguments really easily. Save the unicorns, kids. I want to make it clear again. I, I understand that the people at the hospital are just doing what they're, they're told they have to do. And you, oh, you, they're heroes. And you probably hate it more than I do. Oh, I you'd, promise you. You'd probably yeah. like to rant and rave about it for hours on how you have to fill out the paperwork for this drunk guy that you see every two days. While that woman back there, that young mom, is holding her sick baby waiting in line. Right. And there's that probably would... some activist lawyer lurking around to make sure you don't see the baby first. But we got this text. I broke my back and had to wait three hours in an ER hallway by an obviously high-ranting degenerate. It was awful. Geez, so if I bring my kid into the ER at night, we're sick. We might be in the ER in the hallway next to the gurney, like my wife was, of some guy who's just obviously a drunk homeless person. Yeah. <laughs> trying to talk to her and stuff like that with your kid. That's just, who would allow their society to get that way? As as expensive as healthcare is, you got to put up with that 
when you need to take your kid to the ER? Holy crap. Note here from Craig, my wife, my wife th- fell through an open hatch on a boat. Reminds me of my unfortunate and unavoidable boating accident a number of years ago. I remember that, yes. I tumbled down the stairs of a sailboat while the steps were wet. I believe there was drinking involved, was there not? I don't recall, specifically. (laughs) It was a good thing there was, man. That was some serious pain. Anyway, but she had to wait uh, two and a half, three hours to be seen with seven broken ribs in line uh, behind a bunch, a room full of obviously drunk and high, you know, bums. Yeah, I'm not kidding. If I broke my ankle and was in horrific pain, I would still, and I'm downtown somewhere, I would still say, get me to, you know, nice suburb. Right. Because you might as well. You're going to be in the same amount of pain. Yeah. Except you're going to be sitting next to scary people. Yeah. You're going to wait just as long. Yeah. I uh, I had to take a longish ride to an emergency room once in terrible pain, and you kind of settle into it. Doesn't get worse. <laughs> you just get uh, and before you know it, you're there. So that's some solid advice, I, I just, especially if you are in the more progressive corners of America where order has break, broken down. Oh yeah. To wrap this up, how does this story end? I mean, because surely society won't continue to put up with this, will it? I mean, I realize democracies move really slow, yeah. but surely society won't put up with that when enough people have had that ER experience. Well, those of you who do not live in admittedly wonderful, or at least formerly wonderful places like Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Sacramento, San Diego, uh, oh, Santa Rosa, California, is dealing with a huge crisis of bums and junkies. If if you don't live in those places, just, just be warned. If you let these unicornian policies in, we need to let people camp in the park because they're unfortunate. You let that camel's nose under the tent, you can have a park full of camels. In this case, we're, we're bums and junkies. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. 400 hiring managers, managers reveal when it's okay to lie on your resume. I'll just read this as it's written. You've probably lied on your resume and your hirer knew it. I have not lied on my resume. This is the finding of a study of 800 job applicants and hiring managers, 400 on each side, by a company that vets job applicants. Of the whopping 78% of applicants who misrepresent themselves on resumes, this is how they do it. 78% misrepresent themselves. Well, as we, as we said, you might, you might, uh, exaggerate a little your duties at a job or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if that's lying. Anyway, I managed this as opposed to I was managed. You know, that's a stretch. 39% claim a degree from a more prestigious university. Nobody's ever really? checked that. Really? 40% of people say they went to, well, back to the elite university thing. Well, I think the key I is, hate you. I think the key would be to not go with Harvard, Yale, or Stanford. You just go from a community college thing to some state school yeah, somewhere. And nobody's yeah. ever going to check that. So and just move up one class. By the way, you're lying about something that doesn't matter. Right. So that's, that's one of the reasons they ignore that lie, because who freaking cares? You may well have gotten a much better education at your lesser school. Uh, that can't be possibly true. Well, it's... That is impossible. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the more you spend and the bigger the buildings, the better the education. We all know that. Everybody knows that. Is uh, Lori Laughlin's child there or not? <laughs> 41% alter titles such as manager to director. You change manager to director. Mm. Okay. 
I was the director of cleaning the bathrooms at the first radio job I had. Oh, those don't sales, remind me. Those salespeople were disgusting, too. Oof. End of a long day. sick enough. 42% make up relevant experiences. Okay. 45% falsify reasons for leaving a prior job. Uh, you're not going to say the boss was a, uh, an idiot. I got caught stealing the coffee. <laughs> I, I think shading reasons you left your previous job, that one is very, very common. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, especially because haven't we all heard the wisdom? Don't be negative about your last job. It shows that you're a negative person and blah, blah, blah. So we all try to go with, I uh, felt like I would have better opportunities somewhere else. Where they didn't hit me all the time. (laughs) Where the work wasn't mind-numbing and insulting to my very dignity as a human. Do you think that holds up the idea of don't ever say anything negative about your previous employers? I don't know if that makes sense in the real world. you got to be careful. I think if you're reasonably effective at speaking, you can twist it and twist it. Uh, you You can make it into something that sounds positive. I felt like the the team environment there was not productive. There was a lot of backbiting and hostility, and I'm really looking for a place where people can join together and do great work. That's negative, but it's positive, as opposed to, they're a-holes. They didn't like me because I'm not from there. Yeah, It was just, all about who you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even who you know. It's who you bleep. You know, it's just, if you come off like that, it's not good. <laughs> Uh, hilarious. Uh, half of people claim longer tenures at jobs to omit an employer. I think I may have done that one. Oh, look I out. think I may have done that one. There was a period of time when I was living in Kansas City where I had a lot of jobs. And there was one job I did. Uh, I'm not sure that guy would have said nice things about me. Mm. So I kind of made this one a little longer at the beginning, again, that one a little longer at the end, and they touched. You know what I mean? So there's not a gap Yeah. to try to put in that other job. Yeah, yeah. They may have done that. but So that half of people do that. And 60% claim mastery in skills in which they are not masters. I'm an ex- excellent flute player. Uh, <laughs> I'm a black belt in Krav Maga. I think it, it's probably more like, uh, you know, in uh, Excel or, right. you know, one of your computer programs or something. I've always wanted to buy a uh, royal title, be an archduke or something like that. Uh, I wonder, do people ever say that? I'm actually well, do you, an archduke. Do you remember uh, <laughs> our old producer, Dominic, uh, God rest his soul? Yes. Um, he said in Hollywood, you always say yes. He said, whatever they say, can you ride a horse? He said, absolutely. Yeah. You just, you know, you, you just get the job and then you figure it out later. Mm-hmm. You know, can you do martial arts? This is a movie. Oh, oh please. of course. Martial I arts. <laughs> I teach. <laughs> yeah. He just always say yes. Of course, yeah. he was he was the sort of person that would do that, whether he was in Hollywood or not. <laughs> it was just kind of his thing. But. I hate to speak ill of the dead, but I don't. he was a congenital liar. Uh, <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, hiring managers, it turns out, are completely aware of this. Two-thirds say they hire liars anyway when other good candidates are not available. What hirers won't tolerate is faked references which they say is the worst thing an applicant could submit. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So having your buddy be the uh, former VP of accounting there. At, uh, Dude, Norwell I need you for the next three days. 
Every time you answer the phone, I need you to say Cornwall Industries. Yeah. <laughs> Could you do that for me? Just don't ask questions. No right. problem is what I would say because I'm a good friend. Exactly. Yes. Cornwall Industries. Oh, Jack was a fine employee. Oh. We, we hated to see him go. We, we know he, we, we knew he was too good for us though. We knew he was bound for great things. All the women wanted to have his baby. All the men wanted to be him. <laughs> oh yeah. People are always saying that in reference. <laughs> Hiring managers are most understanding about inflated GPAs. Nearly nearly 92% said that they would still consider hiring somebody who would increase their GPA. From 1.8 okay. to 3.8. You know. I've, I've never had a job where having a higher GPA would have made any difference. But no. so I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I don't know what the rest yeah, of the I world's mean, like. Th- th- this varies so much from field to field. Sure. Especially these days. You're some... A kick-ass coder. Nobody cares what you got in English 101. Right. That sort of thing. Plus, haven't study Besides after study showed that B students end up being more successful yeah. than A students yeah. because they figure out what they're interested in and they get after it hard as opposed to just kind of running themselves ragged. Plus, in college, it's all everything. about who you know. You got a kid's ass <laughs> no, to get no, a good it's grade. Not. That's what I found out. No. That's what know, I put on my resume. Just bad at it. Old, old boss had it out for me. <laughs> exactly. Or in. He was a jerk. Way. Oh boy! All right, so they were all jealous of me. That's why they didn't like me. That old job. Everybody's <laughs> jealous of me. That that plays well. Yes, say that definitely. <laughs> Put that in your cover letter. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Our interdependence with China economically is a topic we brought up a number of times, and it's it's a troubling roadmap ahead. Because we are addicted to a large extent to Chinese manufacturing, the Chinese market to sell our goods, the rest of it. And it is a loathsome and backward communist regime. And to get involved with uh, another party that's got that many problems. I mean, it's like your your new boyfriend is, well, he's, he's a great guy. He's got a good job. He's, he's certainly hot. He's a tweaker. Uh, he's a compulsive shoplifter, and he's accused of attempting to kill his mother. All his Other, credit cards are maxed out. Right, but but we have a great relationship, and he's so sweet. That's China. There are so many danger signs in our relationship with them. And it is my opinion, and as it turns out, Tucker Carlson's, that we have, for the purpose of costs and profits and the rest of it, given away some critical um, areas of our economy, particularly our manufacturing capacity to China. And uh, it's become especially clear in terms of medicine and medical equipment. And uh, Tucker was talking about that last night. Now is also the time to start looking ahead to the future. Think about what it would mean to face a deadlier version of coronavirus. It's not unimaginable. It's very easy to imagine. Are we ready for that? We're not ready now. We ought to be. One of the first things we can do to prepare ourselves is break our dependence on China for essential medical supplies. Last week, China's official news service published a piece gloating that the country has brought coronavirus under control. The story claims the rest of the world should apologize to China for criticizing the country over the virus and then drops this not very subtle warning, quote, if China retaliates against the United States at this time, in addition to announcing a travel ban on the United States, it will also announce strategic control over medical products and ban exports to the United States. If China announces that its drugs are for domestic use and bans exports, the United States will fall into the hell of a new coronavirus epidemic, unquote. 
Can you pause that? Words, and, and he brings up a number of medicines a little later in the report, including uh, hypertension, high blood pressure medicine that I take that's manufactured in China. I know because it's been recalled three times in the last year, year and a half, for manufacturing imperfections and, and contamination, allegedly. Um, and it, let's not let go past what the Chinese communist government said. Y'all keep giving us a hard time. We'll announce that all the medicines manufactured here are for here, and you're not going to get any of them. Now that, my friends, is a threat. People are 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 moaning and, and crying out, especially on the lefty media, about you know a twenty percent tariff on some you know bull crap. They're going to embargo all the medication. How long would it take us to ramp back up again? I can't even imagine. Let's roll on a little more. Threatening to kill us. And that's not an empty threat. We really are that dependent on China for masks and medical equipment, for basic medicines, for pharmaceuticals of all kinds. It is shocking to wake up one morning and find ourselves in this supine position, dependent on a country that hates us. The people who did it, who made us this dependent on a hostile foreign power, deserve to be punished for what they did. That won't happen, probably. But at least we can try to fix the damage they caused, and there's a lot of it. The Chinese coronavirus will get worse. Its effects will be far more disruptive than they are right now. That is not a guess. It is inevitable, no matter what they're telling you. Let's hope everyone stops lying about that, and soon. Well, I'm Interestingly not, enough, go ahead, I'm sir. not worried about the coronavirus. I am worried about the relationship with China, though. That is yeah, a Tucker's major problem. Yeah, Tucker's been super alarmist on the coronavirus for whatever reason. Um, and I don't think anybody needs to be punished. It was the, the faulty theory of uh, several decades that, listen, if we help China liberalize economically, they were liberalized politically speaking, and it'll usher in a grand and glorious era of cooperation and the rest of it. Turns it out, didn't happen. Turns out what you get is a rich Soviet Union. Right, exactly. So putting that part aside, though, I think we as a country, it is unquestionably a national security issue that we retain capacity to manufacture our critical medical materials. I don't think there's any question of it. And call it naivete or, or, or greed or whatever that got us to export that capacity to the evil Chinese regime. I mean, whatever it was, it was a bad idea and we ought to be seeking to rectify it. I think, and, and, you know, I haven't thought a lot about what mechanism it would require, what departments it would go through, but one could easily make the argument that the United States military should have 100% self-sufficiency in terms of medical equipment, supplies, and drugs. And at that point, we could certainly talk about the American people ought to be self-sufficient. I think it's a conversation that needs to be had. Yeah. Um, most days, I was just thinking about it. I was going through what I've got on my body. Most days, many days, everything I'm wearing is made in China. Every single thing I've got on my body is made in China a lot of days. Mm. Now, that's not crucial like medicine, but then you got the, 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 the weird moral thing of, so we're cool with getting slightly cheaper socks and underwears because it was made by slave labor. Yep. I thought we had a real problem with slavery in this country. Yeah, there's, there's a huge amount of slave and prisoner labor in China. And the prisoner labor is labor is slave labor. Yeah. Sl- slavery is still going on in China and it's allowing me to have cheaper socks. Are we okay with that? Apparently you we gotta are. lower your ideals of freedom if you want to suck on the warm teat of China. It's well said. Michael, I think we need transition music. My son turned 10 over the weekend, which I find it 
Oh, happy I know, birthday, sir. I know whether you're a parent of a, uh, you, you, you're saying this about your one-year-old, your 21-year-old, or your 51-year-old. As a parent, you say, I can't believe my kid is blank. Right. Um, it's just the way it is. You said uh, 10, right? Yeah. 10 double digits. And, uh, which he's very excited about. And I'm expecting. Why, Michael? What are you with the Census Bureau or what? Oh, no, I just I remember tell the story. Why are you grilling him? I just remember the first day. Uh, that's all. I know. It goes by oh, yeah. fast, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. And, uh, duh, duh, duh. Oh, and I'm expecting a lot more out of him. I keep telling him, now that you're 10, <laughs> this isn't going to fly. <laughs> um, oh, boy. But so for his birthday on Saturday, we went to, uh, Laser X and bowling. Laser X is. Oh, you, that's a big day. Yeah. It's all in one place and you run around and shoot each other with a. I'd never done that before. That is something. Doesn't that encourage militarism? I, I don't worry about militarism, but though with the in the whole school shooting environment, that just there's there's something weird about uh, chasing people around with a gun. Yeah, and hiding and it's just you know that must be I've I've lived in a soft part of the country for too long that it even pops into my mind. Yeah, because uh, Midwest Kansas Jack wouldn't have thought. I'm not sure this is a good thing right now. Did the um, kids seem to enjoy no, it? The kids just love it. Okay. It's just nothing but. Flipping fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so Plus we did that. bowling. Oh. But I hadn't bowled in, and this happens as you get older. Well, I went for my birthday a couple weeks ago, I went and got a, a basketball goal so I could shoot baskets, and I realized as I was shooting my first basket, I don't think I had had a basketball in my hand, shot it toward a hoop in certainly decades. Wow. And uh, time can go by. And I was thinking that with the bowling ball in my hand the other day. How long since I've bowled? <laughs> I know. 20 years, maybe? I know. Been a long time since I bowled, and it's changed a lot in the twenty years. Bowling has. Yeah, well, the, Don't you hurl the ball at the pins? That part hasn't changed. The shoes are way different now. Mm-hmm. Bowling oh. shoes have changed a tremendous amount. Really? I think they're worse, but they're uh, but they've changed. They're a Velcro sort of thingy, and they tried to make them look cooler, I guess. But um, cooler than they used to look. And then the the two tone uh, with the number on the heel. And I hadn't bowled. I that? hadn't bowled since I got the super fancy computerized scoring thingy. Oh, now that's that is cool, so cool. You take a. It takes a picture of your face, and then after every ball, there's a funny like, jib jab video of oh, you really? doing all kinds of wacky stuff. And my kids were just cracking up. Oh, that's <laughs> great! Yeah, and so they they have all of you doing all these wacky things on up on the screen while wow. they're resetting the pins. the The amount of entertainment with bowling now is. Way more than when I was a kid. I was telling my son, we had paper and a pencil. You had to do it yourself. There was math involved. Your dad would teach you how. No, son. No, it's a spare. So it's 10 plus the first ball on the next frame. <laughs> so I told him you went bowling. It was like an afternoon of math homework. Right. <laughs> and certainly there were no fun videos or anything. But man, well, we so had to get smart that. by the world of bowling, though. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, alone, the game itself could seem a little anachronistic, a little old-timey, but that's super smart. Yeah, I bowled. I bet that's what they talk about all day long at your your bowling industry conventions. I did win, so as I'm also the fastest person in my family, I was the number one bowler. I bowled a rolled a sweet one twenty. Way, way to dominate children. It's really knocking them down. Really <laughs> impressive. You that's know, there's a guy next to me in the bowling alley, um, and he showed up and he's got a, on his a cart he's pulling with his own balls and like Hand g- g- glove thingy and all this uh, wow. own shoes and I thought this guy's going to be good and yeah. he had unbelievable form but he pulled a one forty mm. so eh, it's a tough game uh, challenge I don't know I've 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 bowled a lot and I've bowled like once every decade and my score stays the same well as I've <laughs> said before uh, this is my one comment on bowling twelve year old Joe and thirty year old <laughs> Joe and present Joe could all bowl 
and we would tie. <laughs> and and there was a time in my life I tried hard to improve, right. and I just never could. So, on the other hand, one day, this is this is an, if you know anything about bowling, you're going to think this story's hilarious. If you don't, you won't. I went to a to bowl with my buddy Rich from Detroit, bass player from the Dead Flowers, and I bowled a 102. A 227. Whoa! That's and, a serious score. And a 97. <laughs> that hurts your average. Back to back to back. There you go. A Seriously, 227 and a 97. The blind pig found an acorn, then immediately coughed it up. And when I went up to pay, I was expecting the last time I bowled, it would have cost like $3 each. No, <laughs> no, no, no. That was almost 60 bucks for the four of us to bowl. Oh, yeah. With the rent and yeah. the shoes. I thought, this is going to be like $8. I had a $10 bill out. Those jib-jab videos aren't free, Jim. Actually, they are. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. So here's something cool. Google Glass kind of came and went, or I don't know if it didn't work, or people thought they looked bad, or what it was. Yes. um, (laughs) How about a smart contact lens that does a lot of the same sort of stuff? And it's is it getting really close to reality, like it's going to be coming out soon. Uh, someday when you walk down the street, a user inter- interface will appear like a floating screen in front of you. And you might see your heart rate, your glucose reading, whatever. You oh, s- that's all I need. Whatever you set it for. <laughs> I, I don't need to see my heart rate all day long. I needed that glucose thing last night as I was shoveling Delaney's ice cream into my mouth. I don't need that information all the time. Hey, Perhaps yeah. a weather forecast. You know what? The glucose thing would be good. The more I think about it, I've allowed myself to get too fat a handful of times in my life. And I think it was the last time, but any time I get a little fat... The doctor says, you know, I do the, I do the, the, the blood work a couple of times a year or whatever. Uh, and the doctor said, Hey, your, uh, your blood glucose is too high. You're, you're not in diabetesville, but you're on the road. And, and it's really uh, hit me. It's sobered me. It's made me want to cut down and I've lost weight. I think if people understood that measure and knew they were getting there, I think that might be really useful. Like on a moment-by-moment basis? I mean, my heart rate and blood pressure now goes up and down and up and down. But like on a moment-by-moment, like you're at a restaurant and you're uh, you're looking at your glucose number and you think, ah, I'll pass on the dessert. I'm pretty high already. Like, you think people would start doing that? No. Or, (laughs) you're young, shut up. Um, (laughs) We, uh, I think if we as a society, if, 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 you know, the, the medical associations or whatever ran these public service announcements commercials that said, if you ever see a 108... Be careful, you're heading toward diabetes. You know, I mean, we really established that. I think I'm with Sean on this. I think it would go back to, it would be, um, uh, it'd be similar to what we were talking about last hour, where people in the top quintile get another decade of active life than people in the bottom quintile of uh, finances. And then we're trying to figure out what other things fit in there, education, lifestyle, all this other stuff. But mm-hmm. the sort of person that would have the glucose reading in front of them, yeah, they probably are going to do the right thing. The person that 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 isn't going to do the right thing is going to turn that off. They're not going to have that on their screen. Jack, they if just I aren't. can save a single person, that's enough for me. But they're going to they're not going to look at it. Yes, they are. The person I'm <laughs> you're thinking make of them, did. You're looking at a you're, you're, by definition the person I've saved looked at it. You're going to have a government program. We have to have the leave, the leave the glucose. You know that'd be the future. That's the future. No, no, no. I that didn't say be that. The future, that would be the future. Yes, though. it would. You get Bernie care. You get government health care. That will be the future. If we're all paying for each other, right? 
We all supervise each other. It's mandatory that you have that number in front of you all the time. But it's anyway, a circle of trust or something they they said in the Chernobyl movie when they were describing communism. Sounds oh, no, that's not a person trailing you. We are all just making sure that we are all on the same team. That's oh, pretty good. That sounds nice. Yeah, good. That's a good thing. We're, yeah, we're, Bernie, I'll bet you think it's good. You're communist. We've sidetracked this conversation, though, about this wonder of technology, because you don't have to have a glucose reading in front of you. Oh, um, sorry. You walk down the street, and you got a screen that floats in front of you, and you might have your health statistics. You might have the weather forecast. You might have a map in front of you. Oh, I turn here. That's the stores over there. Mm-hmm. Maybe the We've talked about this before. Maybe the name and title of the person you're about to run into. See, that's Jim my favorite Smith. thing ever. President of marketing for this company. You had lunch with him last month. Right, you could throw notes. Yeah, There there are also industry-specific things that these can be used for. One of the demos that the company putting this out uh, gave to these reporters uh, was targeting a very specific set of customers, firefighters. I saw a floor plan of the burning building I just entered. Wow. Yellow lines began to form outlines of tables and chairs within the smoky room. Graphical symbols marked the locations of other firefighters, even when they were separated by me from by a wall. Uh, numbers at the top of my view showed my oxygen tank level, communication signal strength, and other data. Oh, an that's alert, strong, man. An alert began flashing, instructing me to get out of the structure. Yeah. And that's all, fabulous. All kinds of occupations obviously could have that. Surgeons, firefighters, cops, all kinds of different stuff. I tell you what, I did a training exercise with firefighters once years and years ago, and it was uh, the whole point of the exercise was... Um, uh, staying disciplined, staying together in a smoky room where, where visibility was very low and how to deal with it and that sort of thing. And it was terrifying. Yeah. It was terrifying. So, uh, yeah, I, I love that idea. So anyway, this is called the Mojo. I mean, you, uh, I'm sorry. I, I should explain. My, you couldn't see anything. It, you couldn't see anything. You knew there was fire. Even though it was a training exercise bearing down on you, there's a fair amount of violence in hauling the hose and and dealing with what fires. So you get jostled around a lot. So you're disoriented in the dark and you might get cooked. So, yes, it's nice to have that data. I think that's a great idea. So this is called the Mojo Lens, billed as the world's first true smart contact lens. And, you know, we've gone through just a, a tiny number of the ways that it could possibly be used. And uh, DARPA's hugely interested in it. Imagine oh, for well, military that. people yeah, how great that could be. There's still a prototype under development. They did a big demonstration at the CES in Vegas last week to show that it does work. You you, you move around some of the stuff uh, with the just little eye movements, I guess, is the way you control the screen to a certain extent. But That would take some practice, it sounds like. But I, I've yeah, been saying, Can you imagine if guys, um, I'm picturing like an infantry uh, squad, had a little readout of where all their guys were. I mean, how incredibly handy and life-saving would that be? Of course, most of us will be playing some sort of stupid video game with it or watching porn. Yes. That's what it'll get used Clearly. for. Clearly. Or some sort of pornographic video game. You're um, in a long meeting at work, and uh, you're just watching porn as you stare right at your boss, and your boss has no idea. Yeah. Um, uh, the minute this is developed, though, the Ruskies, the Chinese, the North Koreans, they're going to start trying to hack it. Hack into your iris. Oh, Lord. Um, I have been saying for years that I think in the in the near future we'll all be wearing some sort of glasses or helmet or something like that. No, nah, it's going to be just a contact lens. Yeah, less, much less obtrusive. And I think that'll happen. We'll have something in our ears and something in our eyes. <laughs> like we need more stimulation and and you know moment by moment anything. But I think that's just the way it's going to be. Everything we need to hear and see is going to be right there in our head. Of course, you know that's the uh, interim period before the chip in the brain. 
It, we are I mean, why why do I need to pipe something into my ears and vibrate my tympanic membrane when I could just have it straight into my cerebellum? Mm-hmm. I'm not the first one to or come cerebrum up. or hypothalamus or something or other. I don't know. I took that class a long time ago. It's not my theory, but I'm a an increasing believer in the we are a technological butterfly. We we are we are caterpillars wrapping ourselves in technology in ways that will impact us that we don't yet comprehend. Oh, I'm sure we and don't. the end game is some sort of machine hybrid computer you know computer lenses for eyes sort of yeah I, the I, end game is the dinosaurs taking over again yes. because we're going to kill ourselves may, may, may i take you back to monday's show in which i read from the 1998 wired magazine all the great things that were going to happen when the internet really got up and going the end of partisanship in politics right. and <laughs> facts rule the day no more you know nonsense and all that sort of stuff so unintended consequence so we're just explaining all these great things that will come out of having yeah. these contact lenses mostly peace love and understanding <laughs> who knows who knows yeah. people be, half of people have committed suicide because you can't stand that much input in front of in front of your eyeballs all the time well what are you going to do the good folks at google are taking a very close look at the mass suicides in america but uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it'll be exciting. I hope it happens in my lifetime. Armstrong and Getty.